Brooklyn, New York. I'm Adam Teeter, and this is the next round of Vine Pair Podcast Conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes in order to examine how we move forward as a drinks business following the COVID-19 crisis. Today, I'm talking with Casey McGrath, CCO and co-founder of Night After Night. Casey, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Adam. So before we jump into everything, tell me what is Night After Night? Well, Night After Night is a brand management agency. Um, we really with a specialization in working in spirits brands and, and music. Um, we began about 14, 15 years ago as a production company. So we really do carry the heart of that production mentality. And we became, you know, entered into the business of marketing through the side door with uh, the advent of content, sort of making that big uh, entrance into the game um, with YouTube and things like that. Uh, that's, how, that's how old we are. We started the business before YouTube was a thing. And then a lot of those big brands were starting to want to, you know, move some money uh, off of TV and the brave ones, at least, and the early adopters of it into into online. And um, our production background gave us a, a really interesting angle onto that. So we became marketers and then, you know, staffed up accordingly and had like a pretty significant uh, degree of on the job training along the way that's brought us to where we are now. Can you uh, can you disclose some of the clients you've worked with in the past? Of course. Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, like I said, like, you know, the, the idea of, you know, the big scary idea of taking your dollars off of the tried and true uh, TV and moving it into the scary place of, of marketing to people online on the web through, you know, video content on the internet was scary. It's the only ones that had the confidence to do it were the, were the guys with, with big budgets. So uh, some of those early players were, you know, General Motors and, you know, companies like that. And they're, they're working with obviously the biggest agencies in the world who also had no experience in that space. So <laughs> smaller production companies like ourselves at the time are really scrappy and doing short form um, video content. Um, my, my, my partners um, were both coming from MTV and producing TRL. And a lot of that style of content was what was, what was working in the beginning and it's still working today um, in that format. Um, so we were just the guys in the room that had the right answers in a, in a room full of people that didn't know what to do. Um, so those early clients were, you know, we worked with Yahoo and GM and big and big clients like that, uh, uh, along with their agency. And then once it became revealed that, you know, we had the expertise in this new space, uh, we started to go direct to client and then became an agency that way. And then we moved into, um, you know, working with some uh, beauty in the beginning, uh, you know, all through like personal relationships, getting in the door with Lancome, and then through that work, eventually working with Clinique, we worked with Asics a little bit, um, and then um, you know, eventually started to work with some spirit brands. We did some some work with Bacardi USA uh, back in the day, some Bombay Sapphire stuff, and then uh, made a passionate appeal to our personal favorite brand. Um, in our actual lives, which was Jameson, and that personal appeal led to uh, a casual meeting, and which led to what has been our um, our, our passion and our pride and our joy uh, ever since, uh, which, which is working with 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 that brand for the last, I think, seven years. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I mean, look, we are definitely no strangers at Vine Pair Two people, not still not understanding the power of content marketing um, in terms of sponsored content and stuff like that. So to think that you are even having those conversations fifteen years ago shows. That we still have kind of pr- pretty much a long way to go to convince, I think, a lot of these brands to really embrace what's happening digitally. But that also, like, we we have gone somewhere because <laughs> you started even earlier than we did, um, and you know, it, there's still people who are, haven't moved digitally, which is which is pretty crazy, but also I guess fun because you can 
still get to have fun conversations with people and convince them to to come on over to the, the digital side of things and, and see a lot of success. Um, so question for you, let's talk marketing um, and branding. So obviously we are, you know, emerging. We haven't really emerged out of COVID, but you have a lot of brands that are scared to spend, right? Or who aren't spending, right? That's what naturally happens in a recession. Um, what are you talking to your clients about right now? Like, what are you what are you saying a strategy should be? Are you encouraging them to be more cautious? Are you encouraging them to be more risk takers? Like if you if, if a client came into you right now and you had a pitch, so let's not talk about some of your current clients, but let's say that you had a pitch with, you know, a big spirits brand that said, we don't know what the future holds. So we don't know what to do. What would you tell them? I mean, absolutely advocating for, I mean, in the two options that you gave me, caution versus risk, absolutely advocating for the risk side of that. Um, not that we would necessarily define it as risk um, or that we are blindly advocating for it because it's more exciting or lends itself to creativity, but we sincerely believe that that is the responsible uh, path of action and it is the smartest play in this moment of opportunity is how we would be defining it to people. It's been, it's been, you know, we've been having a lot of business meetings in, in, in multiple categories. This is not a, necessarily a spirits specific insight, but it's been very un, uninspiring sort of in general to see that the, the, the instinct uh, to pull back to, to free spending and, and to be cautious. And obviously that is the gut re- reaction, the reflex in a recession, as you pointed out, and that makes sense. And, and um, you know, we have to be, you know, uh, reasonable um, to some degree as well, and understand that um, that's just the nature of the time. But it's our job, I think, in those moments. And one of the reasons that you you know carefully select who your creative partners are and who those outside voices are in your creative and strategic partners that you have that checks and balance system, so they can turn to you, turn to us, and say, you know, you know, what should we do, and hold their hand into that risky move and help them understand that it is an opportunity and it is a smart smart play and remind them um, that the things that we've done in the past um, that have been those bold choices that have put us in whatever version of brand health we have today are what we're going to rely on right now. And it would be foolish to, on one hand, acknowledge that, okay, well, at least we have this great stuff that we've been doing. And at the same time, stop continuing to create that when you're in the moment when you're realizing how much of a foundation you're relying on at that time. So to stop making those things um, to stop spending, to stop moving forward um, is just, uh, I think, foolish because who know this time has proven to us that we don't know what can happen and that being prepared, I think, is important, important and continuing to work, continuing to make, continuing to create um, is just another version of being prepared. And we've found that with our clients right now that we've, we pleasantly uh, discovered that we've had them very well prepared for this moment in time. And I think that we would probably point to that and say, you know, look at how good it feels to be this prepared in this moment that we could not have foreseen. Let's continue to uh, to to follow that path and and be prepared for whatever is coming next. Even as we talk about this idea of m- moving forward and reopening, the um, it's never been a more unpredictable, uh, unforeseeable. Um, uh, uh, you know at the end of the tunnel, we don't know what there is no light. It's right. just question marks. And so in that moment, you just, I think you need, need to be arming yourself and it becomes a best idea wins situation. And I think in that moment, like you, you just need to be, you know, swinging at pitches, I think more than, more than ever. And is, is that because, I mean, do you take it from the perspective of obviously like one is, you know, you should do this for the reasons you're stating, but is it also strategically that 
for the most part, others won't swing at the pitches. So there's more you'll get to hit because there will be more people that will probably be cautious. And then also because I guess if you don't spend, maybe someone else will and customers might forget about you during this time. Like what, what's, what other rationale do you use like that for, for clients so that they sort of understand why it's so important to still be thinking about their brand and marketing? Yeah, I mean, pe- people that are playing it safe are definitely going to be sitting on the sidelines when a person that's swinging has a massive win and they will go down watching the ball <laughs> to abuse yeah. this baseball analogy that <laughs> I could never have predicted of while walking into. I don't even really. <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> not, I'm much not, of, a not, not much of a sports guy. <laughs> Here we are. Deep into a baseball. Um, but uh, um, yeah, but that, that, that's going to happen. Someone, someone's going to chalk up a big win and, and, and you're going to be watching because in a moment where, where yes, spending is cut, which does not mean that you can't, uh, it, it, that it, the, a, re- a reduction in spending doesn't mean a reduction in size of ideas. Uh, that's certainly not the way that the way that, that that we think and that brands can't think either. If anything, you know, spirits marketing, marketing in general, is dominated um, in the traditional pre-COVID nineteen world by you know by dollars, and you know it's hard to go up against the the, the the brands that have the big spend. But when things get upended, ideas that aren't necessarily things that require money, the ideas themselves, big ideas are free to, to, to come up with. And if you have the right partners, uh, the people who have those big ideas are going to win. Wins count for double in a moment like this, where people are finding it hard to win through traditional methods. So if you really just, you know, freeze up and be cautious and, and you, and you uh, let's see what happens, what you're going to wind up seeing is somebody else have, uh, you know, a big idea, go for it, take a risk and be the only thing to talk about and that's going to be a bad, a bad moment um, uh, for you. And you just always need to be nurturing that, you know, cultural relevant health uh, of your brand while you're focusing on whatever the business objective of the day is. And if right now it is, you know, increasing sales in the off premise, absolutely go for it. But never stop nurturing that cultural relevant moment because that is the worst thing that can happen. No matter what's going on, this is not a quarantine pandemic uh, moment to only make this point, you know, you have to always be, um, you know, nurturing the roots of cultural relevance while you're helping the tree to grow taller. And if you stop doing that and focus on a short-term goal, you're jeopardizing long-term brand health. And that is something that we would absolutely be making the central point to the hand-holding speech we would be giving clients about (laughs) taking what they perceive to be a risk. We would say there is no greater risk than uh than 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 pushing a tree to grow faster than it wants to uh with with, with short sightedness because it will inevitably fall over and uh when brands do that um you know you really can't um you know pull that at you know pull pull that back up right so i mean i think if i understand you correctly and this is based on other conversations i've had uh over the past few weeks of doing this podcast so correct me if i'm wrong but it seems like so what we we've seen you know in the landscape uh of brands is most people have gone basically all into promoting however they can as many e-commerce sales as possible, whether that's doing using strategies that are good for their brand or not, right? It's all been about optimizing just transactions, right? So transactional marketing, basically. And I think what you're what you're saying is while that's fine to do now because you're being reactionary, if you if you're only doing that and you're taking yourself away from actually still building your brand, the brand image, investing in content that helps to have people actually connect with your brand over the long term, you will see short term gains. But after this whole period is over and we move back to buying 
in the way that we're used to buying, which is not just online, but off-premise, et cetera, you may not continue to see any results of what you did besides, you know, those, those two months where sales were flying. Is, is that right? Absolutely. I mean, you not, may not, will not. I mean, it is, it is very short-sighted and, and, the, and there will be brands, probably smaller brands that will continue to, to, to do that uh, more relevance um, and cultural work. And um, when you come back, you'll realize, oh, you know, where they come from? How are they right. you know, up here with up here with us now? Um, so that that to me, I feel like that is uh, naive. And I also I said it before, um, you know, it's uninspiring. And you use the word, you know, reactionary, and I think that it's very reactionary, and and and, and a huge degree of it is 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 warranted and responsible, but it can't be a hundred percent of the mentality. I mean, that is, you know just it's it's chasing and so it's not it is reactionary it's not proactive it's running to where everybody's running um it's throwing money at at, at, at what is it what is ultimately a temporary problem a temporary problem that has will have long-term and perhaps permanent effects and perhaps at-home consumption will be something that is um you know a bigger part of the business forever and e-commerce will be a bigger part of the business forever great um, in that, and, and when that space gets cluttered, it's, you still have to have good ideas and good creative and, 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 and exciting ways to do it. But something else that you said that I want to point out is that you said, whether it's right for the brand or not, and that is the part that, that is the most important thing to pause and focus on because in that moment of, holy shit, like we need to, this is crazy. What are we going to do? You have to really take that deep breath and say, well, first things first, we have, position this brand in a very specific way. We do stand for something. We have a way of speaking. The people that love us, love us for a reason. Whatever we do, when we do it, we need to stay true to that. So don't do it just, you know, in a best practices generally across what's good for the, for any brand. Do it in your own way, which is what um, I know that we were able to, to do with, with, with the spirit brands that we work on in a very immediate way with, with when this whole thing uh, went down, and that's why those the moments that we had so early on in this crisis were so successful. Can you can you share some of those with me? Because I was I was going to ask you. Obviously, I realize you know you, you may be a little biased to the clients you work with, but I was curious on both ends. Like for some of your clients, what did you do that you think really you know was great, resonated, and do you, have you seen any other brands maybe that you don't work with that you thought wow, like they've they've handled so far what's happened over the last two and a half months really well. And I can see that they're going to set themselves up pretty, you know, pretty nicely for the future. Mm -hmm. Sure. I mean, well, we really didn't have a choice because, you know, one of our, you know, bigger clients is Jameson and just the timing of, of, of this, of everybody closing up shops and, you know, you know, moving to home and shelter in place and happened, you know, right before, you know, weeks um, days uh, ahead of St. Patrick's Day, right? So, with having Jameson um, as a client there, and if, even if even if they would have been a brand, even with our counsel and the trust they have in us, that was that was going to be cautious and sit and wait and see what happens. They didn't have the luxury of doing so because they had to do something. Because obviously, Jameson um, as a business and St. Patrick's Day is something that I don't need to explain why that's important. <laughs> we had, and you know, obviously the brand and, and, and along with us had done a significant amount of work. You know, it happens at the same time every year where we, we, we're, we're planning for, you know, years in advance, building campaigns. That makes sense to be leveraged around that time of year. And we had, you know, 
had work that we were very proud of and very excited about, all locked and loaded and ready and ready to go. Um, and, you know, no surprise, all very rooted around coming together, gathering, and in a moment in time where bars are packed. Right. And then right then it goes, bars are closed. And so it isn't like you can even, you know, tweak uh, any sort of messaging um, initiatives, um, you know, or whatever production you had planned to, it's so far away from what's happening that it all has to just, 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 just go away. But like I said before, you know, you don't just, you don't run in the other direction and you don't pivot from your positioning you double down on it. You know, we're, we don't stop being about bringing people together. We, we are that brand that does that and is known for that. And what, and then, and the Irishness that, that we own, that's all about that, that people love so much. We, 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 continue to you know lean on that and know that people want that um this time of year and in a moment when they can't do it they want it more than ever so there's other ways to do that there's other ways to have the feeling of community and then also knowing how um you know as a brand you know we really are um and again uh you pointed out that i might be biased but we really are more about um, the bartender and have closest with the bartender. It's very unique and very specific as, as, uh, as Jameson and that relationship. So in a moment in time where that very important character in all of our lives is being one of the hardest hit professions and people, um, you know, it was about pivoting quickly to center around how we can leverage that strong relationship that we have with that community and to gather, bring people together to, to help and um, create content around St. Patrick's Day and what was going to be missing so much from our lives and that and that character that we weren't going to be seeing and using their voice and leveraging our close relationship to tell that story and to talk about them and to have a message of hope for the time that we're getting closer to now, which is which is getting back to seeing them again um, at that time and to raise money to help to help them. And I don't know what the final numbers are. I mean, I know we had you know, over a billion media impressions, which was definitely exceeding expectations for what we right. had had for whatever our seven months of work was planning for other campaign. We weren't setting a, we weren't setting benchmarks at a billion media impressions. And we blew past that with this 72 hour pivot. And, um, and then also raised uh, well over half a million dollars for the, for, for, for those, for those people as well in the process. And the, the, the ability to stay on, on message to pivot with that speed um, and to not just, you know, panic and, you know, focus on something that was just a spirits industry best practice, but to focus on something that was very specific to that brand and what it wants to say to the world and have it work so well um, was a testament to, uh, to Jameson um, and to the work that we've done together to be in a position to do that so quickly and so effectively because we had spent so much time establishing um, those values. Other, other brands, if I, I mean, another, I mean, if I, if I may, I don't know if this is appropriate or not, but like, (laughs) they just go outside of spirits. Like it's, I I feel like it's an example of a brand like Dove or something where, you know, when you see their their campaigns with them about beauty and they're showing, you know, first responders and, you know, these, these, these nurses and their faces all, you know, battle-worn from, um, the conditions that they're working in and the and and, and the equipment that they, that they need to use I mean every conversation with every brand was so serious about you know is this tone deaf you know are we right you know being opportunistic on a tragedy and the the answer is well yeah you probably are if you're having this if you're having if you're making this point for the first time right now with Jameson we were making this point every single day nonstop 
you know, we've been, you know, loving thy neighborhood, thy bar and thy bartender every single day and everything that we've been doing. And in this moment in time, we're doing it and we mean it. This is not uh, taking advantage of a moment to, to put a message out there. And Dove's been talking about, you know, you know, a, a different way of, uh, of talking about beauty and what's beautiful and for, for, for years and one of the first brands to do something so successfully and so powerfully. So in a moment of time, we're talking about how beautiful bravery is um, with these characters was something that they were allowed to say. And man, that work was so powerful. So when brands are in a position to, when they, when they stick to their guns and they have something important to say in times like this, when they can, when they can stay true to themselves, but also be topical, the work can be truly powerful, draw people closer to the brand be working as a brand to be there when things go back to normal and still be healthy and also do so uh, much good for the people that mean so much to your brand all at the same time. I mean, that is just a, you know, box checking up and down the list of wins um, in, 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 in a moment that could have been about, you know, panic and, and, and about facing, it was more about like, you know, really boldly running uh, straight and in, straight into the same direction that you were going even faster and harder. And it was, uh, it's exciting. That makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, I, I'd seen the Dove campaign too. It is really, it's, it's very powerful. And obviously saw what you guys did with Jameson, which I thought was, uh, you know, so early on, but really got passed around a lot by a lot of people because it felt so on point, right? As, as you said, it felt very authentic. It didn't feel like all of a sudden this was something that Jameson had never done before. Um, which I think is really important to remember, right? Like it's if you all of a sudden jump into, you know, whether it's your wine brand, a spirits brand, et cetera, if you all of a sudden decide to pivot your message just for the opportunistic moment, like consumers are very aware of that, right? They know immediately that you're trying to take advantage of a situation um, that is not authentic to the way that you've spoken to them in the past. Um, I think that's an uh, excellent point. So before we go, I do want to take advantage of having you and your music expertise here and talk about that a lot because alcohol and music are really intertwined, whether it's, you know, you know, wine brands that associate with musicians, beer brands, spirits brands, and, you know, we don't know when live music's coming back. Um, and so my, my questions for you is sort of, what are you thinking about, uh, you know, alcohol's connection to music over the next few months? What are you telling your brands that do have really great relationships with uh, the music industry? Sort of how are you positioning your association with it, you know, for the time being? Yeah, I mean, we've been, again, we've been, you know, preaching um, about the opportunities that exist um, in these strategic partnerships for years. Um, and now in this moment, it's just uh, more uh, of an opportunity to do it than ever. Um, the music industry has been getting you know, taking, taking hits and taking blows and, and having to reinvent itself. And, um, you know, way before, um, you know, this crisis happened, um, now spirits is new to that conversation and the kind of the music industry is kind of like, you know, welcome down to the trenches with us. You know, we've been here for a couple of years trying to figure out new ways to do this business. You've been up there, you know, sort of still plugging along with, 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 with an industry that was, that was, uh, thriving. Uh, now you have this un unprecedented thing happen and now we're down here together, you know, how can we help each other? And there was always a ton of ways, but now with touring being the number one new blow to the music industry, uh, such a huge, uh, huge source uh, of revenue and in a state of the industry where, you know, record sales are, are, aren't the thing where money comes from. You make music, you become popular, you become popular so that you can tour, so you can tour and make money and sell merch and do and open up all kinds of other uh, avenues of revenue, which is in, which is including leveraging your, um, your reach into your own audience, the, your own media channel that you've created for yourself. 
um, to 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 uh, benefit from from brand dollars. And brands have a hugely significant role to play in in helping uh, musicians, you know, earn money and open up revenue streams for, for them in new and exciting ways. The biggest gap um, is always. The, the the timeline that that those two different industries work on brands plan marketing you know eighteen months in advance music operates three to six months in advance and right now in this moment in time we're having ideas that need to be done in a month and so everyone needs to start really behaving differently and uh, moving more quickly and seizing opportunities and opening their minds to things that they were that they were close to in the past artists need to understand to be more open to brand opportunities and brands need to be a little bit looser with like you know really dotting every i and crossing every t about how it gets communicated and you know the the preciousness about things that happen and when when any brand is marketing their brand needs to get loosened up a little bit and allow for some of that um free flowing ness to be what is the part of the work that thrives. The way that we do that is really around centering around, you know, linking brands with artists through shared values. And if an artist really represents what a brand stands for very authentically, you can do that very, very quickly and move very quickly. And you can um, connect um, with consumers really powerfully. You can use an artist as a media channel. You can find money that you have in the place where you have most of your money, which is in your media budget, to slide some of that away from media into these artists, give them new revenue, uh, appreciate and understand that they are effectively a media channel in and of themselves because of the audience that they have. That audience is something that you really care about, and you can connect with them really deeply by working together. Um, and you know, we've been able to um, to do that very effectively with the work that we've done, um, you know, with Avian and Martel. Um, right behind St. Patrick's Day was Cinco de Mayo. We had that with, with, with Avion. And if Avion was um, a brand of that size, again, the point earlier was that like sometimes it's, you know, you have like, you know, people just spend, 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 and it's hard to beat somebody that has more money than you. You know, people that in at, uh, around Cinco de Mayo, you know, much bigger tequila brands are, you know, outspending Avion like 10 to 1. Um, and then you have this new, normal of, 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 of that we're living in. Um, and you have a, a holiday again about going out and celebrating in large groups. That's not going to be happening around Cinco de Mayo. What are you going to do? And if we were just reacting in that moment to like, let's go get some A-list talent that like lines up right. with our messaging, you wouldn't be able to do it. You wouldn't have the money. It would, you wouldn't have the time. But since we were already working so uh, earnestly to uh, with 21 Savage, because we had uh, a campaign about, you know, borderlessness and, you know, with his issues with immigration and about aviation and the sky and the limitlessness of that. And he is such a passionate, uh, 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 he's a pilot and has a passion for aviation. And we're so linked on those topics. And we've been there. We're able to to have you know, like an IG Live, Cinco de Mayo party with him and have all this great success. And again, it was just there. We were working. We were able to be supportive of him once again. And he was able to provide us an opportunity to connect with all of these all of these people from you know you know that are not necessarily like tequila fans um in a Cinco de Mayo moment with our brand which is a huge win for the brand that's all coming from that um that relationship between music and brands and the opportunities that 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 can happen and another example of how we're able to pivot on the fly because of pre-existing relationships on shared values um that were there. So in this moment in time, we just need to have, you know, the ability to move more, more quickly, be loose 
and um, and artists need to be more open to brand dollars and brands need to be more flexible about how those things come to life. I think one more point that I want to make is that one of my favorite parts of what's happening now is that brands are moving quickly and they are loosening up and, and we're learning so much and the work is going to get so much better because of what's happening right now um, because we're seeing these things that when you have the luxury of time and to overanalyze things, you you a lot of good ideas don't make it through because of, you know, fear and time and, you know, overcooking. Um, but when it's like, we got to go, 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 you do it. And then you say, Hey, what we assumed would have been true is true. That does work. Right. People do like it when brands are a little bit more loose and they love the mistakes and they feel closer to you. And, you know, what we've been doing with, you know, with Quavo, he's, he's having in these, you know, you know, Huncho at home, uh, hangs and we're utilizing IG live. We've been trying to get the brands to do more IG live stuff forever. And, and now that that's the thing we're doing it. And it's like, look how good this is. And right. look at the mistakes that are happening. There's competitor brands popping up all over the place in this like unpredictable moment, you know, we're, we're there and we have all those other, you know, of our, our number one competitor cognac brands are on camera on our show. And, you know, Quavo's so good at like, you know, using our language and, and bringing the, the making light of those moments, and you know you're putting put put that brown down and drink blue, and our whole drink blue initiative and call to action of the movement of drinking Martell and what it stands for is coming to life in this moment on the fly because a competitor's brand is on our in front of our camera in a live moment, <laughs> and and that's something that you could never have done with your when you were overplanning, and that's something that in this moment in time because we we're forced into it. We're learning how powerful that style of spirits marketing is, how resonant it is with the consumer. Um, you know, we had uh, the comedian Michael Blackson on and he was, you know, hanging out there and he's drinking, you know, you know, he's downing Doucet on, on the Martell show with, with Quavo and Quavo was so good at handling it. And then he was like, well, you got to get me some bottles. And now we're sending him a bunch of bottles and now he's drinking blue and the brand in a traditional marketing uh, era is spending X amount of dollars on driving awareness and conversion. And now we're creating awareness and we're converting a hugely influential celebrity over to our brand live on our channel because we allowed a competitor's product to be on there because we didn't have any choice because of COVID-19 style marketing. Right, so those, exactly. are key, those, are, those are key learnings that are, going to con- that are going to continue on now forever and make the work so much better. Right. That's actually really interesting to think about that. Cause I think, you know, knowing what we know on the, you know, from owning a media business, when we have worked with advertisers, it's the same thing, right? The advertiser is so precious about their brand that their brand can't be mentioned with any other brand that's not in their brand portfolio, et cetera. But you see that authentically, that's not how consumers actually interact with brands at all. They interact with your brand amongst all of your competitors. So it makes a lot of sense that now just because that has to happen, because you can't control what someone brings on Instagram live or what they have in their home to drink, that you're seeing the interaction and you're getting to actually have a conversation with the consumer, in this case, the celebrity about, well, why do you like this brand? Let me tell you why mine's better. Exactly. Or let me tell you why you would enjoy that, right? That makes a lot, that's really, really cool. Well, Casey, this has been super fascinating. Um, I We've gone way longer than I thought, we, than, than we normally do with these with these podcasts, but you have a lot of really cool, interesting stuff to say. I do want to let you, uh, I do want to ask you one more question before we go, because I'd be remiss if I didn't. And that is, you also do own your own Spirits brand, correct? I do, yes, yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> at at, uh, at Met for Night, uh, my partner and I, Elliot Fear, we, you know, passionate spirits marketers. You know, we always it, it's a fun um, thing to wonder. You know, we're so brazen in the room, and you should be doing this, and you should be doing that. You know, it's like you know, can you again to you know summon up the 
the, the, uh, the Quavo and Migos, you know, walk it like I talk it. Like, can you do it yourself? Right. And, you know, so it's you know, a, 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 an agency passion project. You know, it's completely self-funded. All the work that we do is all in-house and it's a New York uh, Applejack and it has a very passionate following with within New York and within the New York bartending community, a space that we know really well. And, and um, it's just, uh, you know, we've proven that the, the, the things that we, that we go into a room and, 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 and recommend to our clients when we apply them to our own business, it works. And we, and we've built a really, um, a really great brand that has a lot of love in New York and starting to open up new markets now and the types of people and places and, a cocktail uh, placements that 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 we've gotten are are things that would be huge wins for some of the big brands that we work with, and we're and we're able to do it with uh, a lot of the things that we've learned about, you know, how important uh, certain uh, communities are, the bartending community, and how to talk to them and appreciate them, and and, and it's really functioned really well. And also, you um, also have been a, a, a great um, advocate for our brand, and we want to say thank you for that. And Vine Pair is done. Um, along with, with Bark and Aaron's Applejack. So thank you so much for the, for the support there. That's so cool because I want to make sure you said the name because I realized you hadn't yet. So it is Barking Irons. Barking Irons Applejack. Yep, it's a New York, New York City brand. It's about uh, you know the Barking Irons is old reference to you know turn of the century gangs of New York. It has that that spirit, that attitude. It's uh, it's one hundred percent Applejack, and um, you know basically it's a it's a, a bourbon substitute, a rye substitute, whatever your favorite drink is that that's a bourbon drink or a rye drink. Just do a one to one swap, and it and it behaves that way. It acts that way, and it has that New York City attitude to do it. Um, the aged spirits, 100 proof. We have an unaged 110, and just recently, like very recently, like right now, uh, released uh, an, an 80 proof in time for summer. And we have an initiative there where we're raising money for uh, EMS and FDNY, uh, coinciding with the 7 p.m. New York City Cheers moment. Our brand is a fireman centric brand. Our our our, our label is a fireman shield. Uh, so we've been really close to the New York City Fire Department now. So we're raising money for uh, the the first responders and EMS and FDNY through uh, the release of our new 80 proof unaged marking irons. So quickly for I mean this is mostly a podcast listened to by a lot of members of the industry and then you know spirits geeks and and wine and beer geeks. But for those that may not know what an Applejack is, can you explain it really quickly and then also uh, answer why an Applejack? Yeah, I'll combine. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to be brief for the first time in this conversation. But I'll, <laughs> com- I'll combine those two things, and the, mo- the most important thing for everyone to know is that it is um, very surprising that it is this this thing. That, oh, what's an Applejack? It's like well, it actually happens to be um, you know the original American spirit. You know, it's what everybody was drinking, uh, and especially in, in the in the Northeast of America, the abundance of apples very much heavily in New York. George Washington's family made it. It's what everyone was drinking. Apple cider first was the like the, the main spirit, uh, the, the, the main drink, cleaner than water, and then that became you know distilled down into something as we we say more sinister into Applejack, and that's what everyone was drinking. Uh, it it fell off completely in um you know during Prohibition and sort of never never made its way. Never made its, made, made its way back. So, you know, essentially, if if whiskey is, is distilled beer, then Applejack is distilled cider. That's the simplest way to wrap your wrap your head around what it is. Um, it's a you know you can it's it's a brandy, and we, you can uh, Barking Irons is something that you can drink like a whiskey, and um, you know anything else? You, what else do you want to know about it? No, I mean, I mean, you've you've answered a lot, a lot of questions very quickly, which which <laughs> which is great. Um, well, awesome, Casey. Thank you so much for taking the time. This was super interesting. Um, I learned a lot um, 
from from chatting with you for the last 30 minutes or so in terms of branding, marketing, how, how people should be you know looking at the, the marketplace and really seeing the opportunity now more than ever. Um, so I just want to thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the Bind Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Vine Pair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vine Pair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.